1: I think I'm gonna put this bottle down I guess as time goes on I'll grow to miss it less than I will now
2: It's 11 a.m. on a snowy Tuesday morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports. On your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryer Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. That's right. Sleet, snow, driving range, rain, 15 degree temps. We're still here, baby. We've got our milk and bread. We're ready to go on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. The show still brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolates here out there, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Programming update: Where Peterbrook is concerned on this icy Tuesday, they are closed today. Out of uh, concern for employees and well, you being out on those slick Tuscaloosa streets, taking the day off at Peterbrook Chocolatier, but they'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m., 10 to 8, Monday through Saturday. You're going to find the chocolate lady and that outstanding crew there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, the trusty Jacob Harrison.
3: Woo!
4: Jacob, I think we—I think you cut out there for a second.
2: Uh oh! I, I How you doing, time my to man? Woo
3: pretty well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get through this. We're gonna work through this together. We're gonna have Brent Beer joining us coming up in just a little bit. We'll go around the southeastern conference with Brent as we typically do on Tuesdays. A little different down in Brent's neck of the wood from woods from a weather perspective. Uh, not quite as cool or as chilly or as icy down there with Brent, but we'll check in with him coming up a little bit later in the program. Yeah, it's been an interesting 24 hours or so. Now, Jacob, uh, the debut of your new program, right, on Tide 100.9 FM. Congratulations on that.
4: I appreciate that. We had a lot of fun. We're doing uh, some new stuff, and uh, I I hope that people will join us again on Friday.
2: Yeah, so it's Monday and Fridays. Give us the deets on on the program.
4: Yeah, so it's off the edge. I am the host, and uh, usually I will have some interns in here with me as well. And uh, you know, we're on from seven to nine, streaming live. Not only you know through the normal Tide one hundred point nine airwaves, but also on the Tide one hundred point nine app. But what's new is also streaming live with video on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. All the channels are at Off the Edge one hundred nine. Uh, and the easiest way to find the YouTube channel is through the Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, So, yeah, if you want to go give that show a shot and uh, give us a follow, you're more than welcome.
2: Sounds good, man. Sounds absolutely great. Hey, you got some rescheduled basketball, speaking of programming, coming up later in the week, as we know now. Alabama and Texas A&M previously set for tomorrow evening in College Station. That game now shifted to Thursday in school game. Remember in-school games? Jacob, I'm a little bit older, but in your day, did you guys have in-school games maybe in middle school or high school? That was a way to get us out of class.
4: Nope. (laughs) You know, that
2: was – they had us on those in-school games back in the day. What they would do is they knew we wanted to get out of class, so they would schedule like a basketball game during school hours. And so we would literally pay – you had to buy a ticket, right? Right. So you had to buy a ticket to get out of class, basically. So they knew we were going to buy those tickets you know, to get out of class, but you're going to have something similar to that with Alabama and Texas A&M on Thursday afternoon. You're actually going to have a double dip of Alabama basketball now on that Thursday with the rescheduling on the men's side. You'll have Alabama-Texas A&M men at 2 Central. And then at 5 Central, you'll have the Alabama women's basketball team at the University of Florida. That is a 5 p.m. Central tip-off on Thursday. So here you go. You're going to be basketballed up pretty, uh, pretty good coming up here late in the week. Quick turnaround for the Alabama men going from Thursday to Saturday with Vanderbilt in here. But you would think. Good shot for another 2-0 and o week and push that conference record to 14-1. and one. And if you do that, I think you can go ahead and print the shirts. I think you can anyway. We're going to have some football stuff we'll get into with Brent Beard as well. We'll continue to discuss the hiring of Gus Malzahn as the new head coach at UCF. Brent has some interesting thoughts on that. You know, I like the hire. I probably... I'd probably like to hire more from Gus's perspective. I think it's a ready-made situation he's walking into uh, in a league in which you're talking about Gus operating from the penthouse in terms of resources, uh, recruiting base, those type of things. I guess you could say Houston too, right? I, I think that Houston gig, you saw Dana Holgerson Go from a power five to uh Houston, as you recall, a couple of years ago, Houston and UCF, I'd have at the top of the, that pecking order there in uh, the G5s, uh, especially where you, you talk about the AAC. But um, Brent maybe not as uh, not as sold on the hire of Gus Malzahn to UCF, so we'll get his thoughts on that coming up. In just a little bit, the transfer portal around college football stays hot, stays hot. It's going to be interesting, man. We talked with Chris Hummer 247sports.com about this yesterday on the program. Got all these guys making moves, you know, transferring in the portal. And a lot of it based on the expectation that that one-time transfer rule was going to go into effect. And in January, last month, that wasn't rubber-stamped like so many expected it would be. Now, as Chris Summers said yesterday on the show, when you think ahead to this being revisited in April, there's still the expectation it's going to go through, and that obviously would have an impact potentially on Alabama, where Henry Toa Toa might be concerned, the Tennessee linebacker looking to make a move. And as we've heard from Henry's pops, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide right there at the top of his preference list. Sounds like he certainly uh sounds like Alabama's certainly at the top of Mr. Toa Toa's preference list. So, you know, you've got that to consider. You know, you've got uh you've got the SEC level that you've got to consider where the uh interconference transfers are concerned. You know, Skyler Wallace, the Alabama softball player who transferred to Florida, you kind of figured She would just go to Florida, and the one-time rule would go into effect, and she'd be on the field for the Gators. You know, she's not on the field right now for Florida because of this. And so that didn't go according to plan for her, and so we'll see how it impacts football potentially. But for Alabama, what we do know, Ben Davis, the latest Alabama player to hit the portal, Davis with that extra year of eligibility to work with, Former five-star recruit, and I'll remember Ben mostly as coming in. Remember Ben Davis and Mac Wilson coming in hand-in-hand in hand as a couple of five-stars. Uh, gosh, what was that? Was that 16, 2016 class? Yeah. A um, couple of five-stars, and unfortunately for Ben, never quite lived up to it the former Gordo star at Alabama. Now, there were some reasons for that. I think initially trying to figure out exactly where he fit best at the linebacker level took an extended period of time. He also had some health issues. You know, people don't talk about that with Ben Davis enough. He had those shin issues at about the midway point of his time at Alabama. Those were not beneficial, obviously, to him. So there were a multitude of reasons. He also had quality depth early in his career. Uh, He probably wasn't going to just uh, rocket up the depth chart in the first year or two. Still had some dudes around here before you got to 2019. And you had to go really young once you had a couple of injuries to Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan that season. So uh, Ben Davis moves on. We'll see where he lands. We already know Ishmael Softshire the second-year defensive lineman who, during the season, hit the portal. He is headed to USC. Kevin Harris, the second-year outside linebacker, headed to Georgia Tech. Joseph Boulivis, the kicker, headed to Vanderbilt with two years of eligibility. And Eddie Smith, at the safety position, has moved on to Illinois. So these guys that are leaving Alabama, maybe they weren't in – Prominent roles, which, you know, typically has a lot to do with guys moving on. But they're landing at power fives, aren't they? And you look at the outside linebacker position specifically with Ben Davis and Kevin Harris, and it makes some sense. Because you're returning a starting tandem in Christopher Allen and Will Anderson that was really, really good in 2020. Will Anderson going into just his second year. In the program, as a true freshman, had more tackles for loss and sacks than any true freshman in the Nick Saban era at Alabama. Christopher Allen, where tackles for loss are concerned, double digits, one of the SEC leaders in that department. So right at the top of the depth chart, you're in great shape. Then you consider that there's another second-year player in Drew Sanders in which you're expecting very big things. You redshirted a couple of guys in Chris Braswell, a former five-star in his own right, Q Robinson. A lot of talent at that position coming back, and that's before you talk about some guys that have been around a little while. Jerez Parks has been around a little while. Kim Wakuda going into his third year in the program. And you got a couple of freshmen, one that's already here in Keanu Coat. Both these guys coming from South Florida. Keanu Coat, who Alabama flipped from LSU, might need a little time in the weight room physically, sort of like Braswell, Christian Miller, some of the guys we've seen in the past, Tim Williams. You know, they come in, they're 215, 220. You'll need a year bulk up. But just from a pass rush perspective, Keanu Coat is. Uh, He's advanced. He's advanced coming off the high school level, if you watch his tape. And then this summer, you're going to bring in Dallas Turner, who is along the same lines of Will Anderson a year ago, a five-star edge defender, 6'4", 245. He's not in that 215, 220 range. So Dallas Turner, like Will Anderson, physically has a chance to compete on a semi-to-every-down basis perhaps, as a true freshman. That's the type of talent you're stockpiling right now at the edge defender positions these last couple of classes, and you've done something very similar at inside linebacker. You know, I watch Will Anderson, though, and I see a guy that I think could play any of the four linebacker spots. I've said that before. As great as he is on the edge, and yes, that's absolutely his primary position and should be, you know, I watched this guy do some things in pursuit and from sideline to sideline. And the physicality with which he plays, not just the dynamic pass rush ability, but the physicality that Will Anderson brings to the position. And I, I, I'd i have no problem playing Will Anderson at Mike. I think he could play anywhere. We're going to step aside for our first break. When we come back, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Uh, we'll get Brent's thoughts on Gus, the Gus bus to Central Florida, and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Tuesday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right after this.
3: From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide today. It's a daily update on Bama Sports and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama Athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. After contributing to a perfect game as part of 12 shutout innings in the circle last weekend, Alabama softball's Montana Fouts has been named the SEC Pitcher of the Week. Fouts opened the season going 12 up, 12 down over four innings against Alabama State on Friday, paired with a shutout fifth inning from Sarah Cornell for the Fifth perfect game in program history. Fouts followed that performance with a complete game shutout over Louisville on Sunday, allowing just one hit and one walk over seven innings of work with 11 strikeouts. In total, she struck out 20 batters across 11 innings of work on opening weekend. The weekly conference award is the sixth of Fouts' career, previously winning Pitcher of the Week once and Freshman of the Week four times in 2019. I'll have more in a moment. Have you priced a new
5: John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide.
3: The Alabama women's soccer team announced the spring portion of the 2021 season on Monday. The schedule features nine matches with two coming against Southeastern Conference opponents. The nine-game slate includes five home games at the Alabama Soccer Stadium, three road games, and one at a neutral location. Action opens up this Friday with a three-game homestand with Columbus State, Louisiana, and Montevallo. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. A cold afternoon, the sky
0: partially sunny, the high today 33. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 21. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy. Rain arrives tomorrow night, the high 46. Thursday, cloudy with occasional rain, the high at 50. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide. So they came around
2: looking for you the other day. Word, word, Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Reier, senior analyst for BOL with you on a daily basis right here on Tide 100.9. As we typically do on Tuesdays, we're going to check in with our good pal, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News, Heisman Trophy voter Brent Beard. And Brent is down in the state of Florida. Brent, uh, I'm wagering that it is a little bit more comfortable there along the First Coast. Than it is here in West Central Alabama.
1: Yeah, the high today is like sixty-four. and then the low tonight's thirty-eight, but it's but but it's back up. Uh, I, I'm listen. Could compared to what everybody is going through. Uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say that, but that but, but as you know that that can be the reality for this time of year. Uh, trav living here is almost like being in Hawaii to some degree, right?
2: Yeah, you know, down there in Northeast Florida, you. Much more so than, say, Orlando, which we'll get into Orlando here in just a second. <laughs> um, you get more of the seasonal feel yeah. it, there yeah, in was... Northeast Florida than you do, say, Orlando, Tampa, where it is more along the lines of 70 and up, it seems mm-hmm. like, on a daily basis. But, yeah, you, you get a little bit of a break there. You get a little bit of a break there in the Jacksonville Area. Brent, as uh, the aforementioned Orlando area has been a big part of the college football news cycle here in the last 24 hours, uh, Gus Malzahn, keeping warm a couple different ways. Got the new gig <laughs> in Orlando as the head coach at UCF, and he can use uh, part of that buyout from Auburn as kindling. You know, he got yes. so much from the Tigers.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And obviously gets a five year, $11.5 million contract from UCF. Uh, Look, I'm I'm frankly amazed somehow that uh, and I don't know what we've missed here, but between when Gus was fired at Auburn until now, he's become Vince Lombardi, Uh, (laughs) uh, frankly, in the minds of particularly the national media who, Trev, you and I both know who were bashing him uh, during the uh, the last season at at, at Auburn. Uh, But look, I. I think this is a mediocre hire uh, and and frankly think that um, uh, as you and I've heard throughout our life, uh, your record is who you are. And Gus has averaged losing four to five games a year over the last seven years. uh, And to be a offensive genius, the, the last six years, uh, Auburn uh, ranked in the SEC offensively, number eight, number 10, number 10, number six, number eight, and number 11. So uh, it, it, nothing real stellar as far as the offense is concerned.
2: We're going to write Brent down as a once-every-other-year wonder uh, team member when it comes to Gus Malzahn. Is, would that be a, a correct Yes. Sort of uh, yeah, yes. uh, assignment in terms of a, a way to describe uh, the Gus Malzahn era. Yeah, at it, it, every couple uh, of oh, years yeah. he had enough to stay another couple of years.
1: Well, he, he did, and, and again, I mean, the 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 realism here is he was two and five in bowl games. He was eight and seventeen against Alabama, Georgia, and and A and M. Oh, and twelve in road games on those teams. Uh, so. Um, I, I, I mean, look, I, I get the fact that he was available. Uh, I, I, but I travel, I, I just three wins,
2: ask, three <laughs> wins over Nick. Is that pretty much, I mean, can we go ahead and put that on Gus's yeah, headstone? So when it comes pro- that time? probably, uh, probably he beat Nick. He beat Nick three times. Now yeah, is that, yeah. is that the, is that the legacy as it sits right now for Gus Malzahn, even with the sec title in 13, the runner up finish. Uh, in thirteen is is that pretty much Gus Malzahn's career in a nutshell? Right.
1: I think it probably is. Or, or or I'll say this, Trav. It will it will be something that will always get him interviews. um, Also, And, and and look the the UCF AD. Uh, getting way over-excited and saying that that Gus is the best football coach <laughs> in the state of Florida right now. I love it. Uh, I love I, it. I'm, I'm, but by the way, one uh, Dan Mullen at Florida has a press conference later today, Trav. And and I'm just one. <laughs> I'm just wondering, would would Dan throw a little barb in there somewhere, Trav? Somehow. Uh, well, is, I'm I'm guessing possible. I-
2: I'm guessing Gus's uh, one loss record against Dan was favorable for the AD to make that statement. I'm sure he was including that. I don't have the specifics of Gus Malzahn versus Dan Mullen, but, I mean, we are talking about Auburn versus Mississippi State, largely, Mm -hmm. right, Uh, when you compare those two. But, yes, I did note that from the new UCF AD yesterday, the uh, proclamation. Factually accurate, though, Brent, in some ways, which – You know, we can talk about Gus and his shortcomings, but maybe it's as much of an indictment of the rest of the state of Florida as anything else.
1: Well, I think it is, too, right now. I I do think Mike Norvell will eventually get it together. Uh, But, I I mean, when you're looking at the other coaches, I I, I mean, I I do have to give Dan Mullen credit for making it to the SEC championship game. Um, Is Dan kind of Gus, though? Is
2: Dan... To this point, is he kind of Gus himself? Well, I mean, because we talk about this Florida team from 2020, and yes, they played well in spots, and they were exciting and offensively when they had it all together. They were uh, a challenge. Just look at the SEC championship game for more on that. But at the end of the day, that was what a four-loss team, five-loss right, team, I guess. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of like uh,
2: Gus, right? Yeah, Gus, Gus would get you fired up at Auburn, sure. and then. Some years he would close with a win over Georgia and or Alabama, and then the the frustration would come right after that. He would go to somewhere like Tampa and lose to Northwestern.
1: Correct. In the bowl game. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah. And, and and again, yes, you've got some similarities uh, also to uh, uh, to Mullen in that situation. What I've also found interesting uh, about the and I've I've seen this in a couple places that. Uh, people may ask, well, if UCF and not hired Gus, who would they have hired and Phil Longo, the OC at North Carolina uh, has been mentioned uh, and another name it is and this comes from Chris Landier, I give credit where credits due is Kent State Sean Lewis uh, was also in the uh, in the possibilities there but but see, I think the thing that we forget too with Gus is in in uh, now, look, the fans wanted him going at Auburn five years ago, but even the Auburn beat writers, who you who bo- you, you, and I both know, uh, have said that, A, Gus really struggles in developing a quarterback. Uh, and the other thing is, and even, even um, uh, one of the Auburn beat writers wrote the other day, it's basically a fireball offense for uh, a coach to recruit as poorly on the offensive line uh, as they have. So I I, I think all this, Gus is going to go to UCF and do all this tremendous recruiting. Uh, If Auburn is an indication of that, Trav, in developing players, uh, let's be really honest, he struggled in those areas. Well, and
2: he's going to inherit a very capable quarterback in Dylan Gabriel yeah down at UCF sort of a poor man's Tua yeah you watch uh Dylan Gabriel uh also from the state of Hawaii left-handed six-footish can really spin it so he is walking into a ready-made situation at quarterback now how his spread and his power spread sort of meshes with a guy like Dylan Gabriel we'll find out soon enough but if you're UCF right now, you don't have to worry about quarterback development all that much. And, but it is, it's, it's been very much a, a reasonable complaint where sure. uh, Gus is concerned uh, in the past. We're talking with Brent Beard of college sports today and first coast news on a Tuesday edition of Southern fried sports. Now, Brent um wanted to also ask you about, uh, college basketball this week, the SEC, uh, kind of upside down with the weather and COVID imperfect storm, I guess you could mm-hmm. say of a couple of different elements coming together. And as a result, uh, we're going to have some late week men's basketball. That's usually reserved for the women's side. And in fact, you're going to have this Alabama team with a two central tip, almost like an in-school yeah. game. It feels oh, like yeah. remember the old in-school game yeah. back in the day, Yes, yeah, Alabama, <laughs> Texas A&M on Thursday afternoon at, uh. 2 p.m. in College Station. That's tentatively set now uh, as the schedule's been rearranged to, to work through some of these issues. But this Alabama team coming off a 2-0 week, Brent, now ranked eighth in the country, according to the Associated Press. And um, it looks to be a, a tap-in at this point. You use some golf vernacular mm-hmm. as far as wrapping up that SEC regular season championship.
1: Yeah, and look, that that still is an amazing feat. Bama nine in the NET rankings, uh, Tennessee twelve, Arkansas twenty three, and we'll mention them in a moment. Uh, But I I mean, it's it's a phenomenal feat for Alabama to be looking at uh, winning both uh, SEC championships. Uh, in football and basketball. And I give Kurt McNair, your colleague uh, credit for the story that he did on that. uh, And for Alabama to do that, I think is incredible. Great performance against Georgia Uh, to score 115 points uh, is nothing short of amazing that the way that they were doing a two seed uh, at this point, I mean, there's a little bit of talk about uh, one seed, but look, you and I both know they've got to finish what they're doing to begin with. in. Uh, I I think what's intriguing about this week and this weather thing really worked out for the best for them, because, I mean, you've got that, uh, you've got a road game on Thursday at uh, three o'clock, which you're right. That reminds you of either the NCAA tournament or the SEC tournament as far as an afternoon game. And then, man, what a quick turnaround to play Saturday Vanderbilt um, at at noon or 11 o'clock your time. Now, they'll win both those games, I think. But, uh, Trav, the, the thing to me that I'm already looking forward to is uh, that Arkansas game that's coming up next week. Uh, Trav, is anybody making any more noise than Alabama in the league right now than the Hogs?
2: Yeah, hey, I've said for about a week now, you'd love to get to that Arkansas road game without it meaning a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of having nailed down that SEC regular season title. Arkansas is playing well. Ole Miss, you know, has helped out Alabama here in recent games. uh, uh, Beating Missouri in Oxford here in in the last week or so uh, is playing some really good basketball as well. We talked about it many times on the program. Once you get past Alabama in this league right now, you can't really figure anything out because you thought Tennessee was starting to become that team. And maybe by the time the tournament rolls around, this will be that Tennessee team. Uh, a couple of really impressive performances. Uh, and then to go on the road to LSU and lose by 13. You're right, though, about the quick turnaround. It's kind of it's a double-edged sword um, because for a guy like Herb Jones, you don't mind the extra day or two before Absolutely. A&M now. But then to have to turn him right around really? uh, in a less than 48 hours time and uh you know play Vanderbilt here and Vanderbilt inexplicably has won a couple of games of late again mm-hmm. in sticking with the theme of the unpredictability of the league yeah. beyond Alabama. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they're able to navigate that. I think it's ideal though in terms of the the competition. AM as you said, Vanderbilt as you said a couple of games Alabama should be able to win this week. Hey Brent, um we'll get back into some football talk now and I, I when I look at, we talked about UCF and Gus going in there, uh, but Josh Heupel, you know, making the move to Tennessee, uh, that has a very UCF feeling to it from the yeah. AD down at this yeah. point, all the way through the coaching staff that Heupel's put together up there in Knoxville, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah, and a lot of these guys he's bringing, uh, 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 or at least some of them from UCF. No, he has uh, he has hired Cody Burns. Uh, of Auburn uh, fame Uh uh, as, um, I think, for wide receivers. But I'll be honest with you, a lot of these guys, uh, your listeners are not familiar with. Uh, I mean, let's be honest about that. So, I mean, their offense coordinator is Alex Golish, uh, who was at UCF. Uh, Now, Rodney Gardner, everybody understands uh, in that situation. And they're bringing... Uh, the Penn State co-defensive coordinator, uh, Tim Banks, over uh, right now, too. So, uh, I mean, it's a, uh, I mean, let's be honest, it's a staff kind of un- of unknowns right now uh, at this point. Obviously, for your listeners, what happens to Henry Toa Toa is going to be humongous here, <laughs> likely certainly not going back to Tennessee for, from what we know uh, uh, right, either. Now, look, I, I think a high pull will know what to do with the quarterback, whoever that's going to be. I think their offense has got to be better. I mean, I mean, my goodness, either your daughter or my daughter would have done a better job <laughs> uh, offensively than, than what they've done. Uh, but I think your points will take because, Trev, I mean, at least to be fair, uh, uh, there there are so many unknowns with this coaching staff right now. Uh, I think that's a thing that, that stares me in the face at this point.
2: Yeah, it does. And, and that's even with understanding that offensively it's largely about Heupel, uh and, and what his presence is in that area. Uh, we can talk about offensive staff, uh, but I think the defensive side yeah. uh, is going to be even more critical uh, to their – Uh, success in the hypo era is, is anything else speaking of defense brent and speaking of a team that has been embattled i guess you could say but did finish on a pretty positive note to the 2020 campaign the lsu tigers going the transfer route one more time at the linebacker position worked out pretty good with jabril cox from north dakota state for 2020 he was sort of under the radar in a year in which that was anything but your typical lsu defense yeah yeah but it looks like uh, a tiger from clemson now gonna make his way over to lsu and mike jones
1: yeah uh mike jones is uh, bringing some excitement he had 30 tackles uh, had a couple of picks forced fumble now again uh, the issue here is going to be like henry toa toa Uh, of what we understand and others is the fact of will the NCAA pass that waiver rule and I understand Trav they're going to do that in April uh, and at that point it would clear up a lot of the uh, um, uh, the uncertainties here as far as allowing these guys to move but yeah LSU had to fortify that defense somewhat but and, and again I know we harp on this a lot. I'm just going to mention it real briefly, but uh, there was a lot about this Title IX situation last week uh, in the Baton Rouge papers and even a national article. So, as we look at them trying to fill their needs, we uh, we can't we can't miss the fact, Trav, that that is a cloud hu- hovering above that program that cannot be ignored.
2: No, it cannot. And uh, you know, look, you're going to have attrition. It's going to happen. Just look at Alabama this offseason. Ben Davis here in the last yes. day or so has entered the transfer portal, looks to take advantage of that uh, additional year of eligibility elsewhere. Is Ishmael Softer, the young defensive line, has transferred out to Southern California. Kevin Harris, a young linebacker to Georgia Tech. Joseph Boulivis to Vanderbilt. Eddie Smith to Illinois. So uh, the Crimson Tide making some room of its own. Uh, although when you look at Alabama and the stockpiling that it continues to do uh, <laughs> at some help. of these areas, you know, like Ben Davis, like Kevin Harris at outside linebacker, um, you know, you've already got Will Reichard as your scholarship starter at kicker. Uh, good for Joseph Bullivis, another opportunity within the Southeastern Conference right. at Vanderbilt. Um, the safety position, the emergence of Malachi Moore, Um uh, You know, and those guys, uh, Brian Branch, it makes sense that a guy like Eddie Smith would move on. Even softer, when you've got Tim Smith as a true freshman performing at the level he did to go along with D.J. Dale. Uh, A lot of this stuff makes sense, I guess.
1: Well, and I think, Trav, what people don't get about Nick Saban, and he doesn't talk much about this, and I've talked to several people, and I know I know you have too, that Saban actually is pretty instrumental and active in helping his players who want to go find a landing spot. So, mm-hmm. uh, and give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, now, uh, I also did want to mention Trav, a couple of Georgia guys coming back uh, that that kind of went under the radar. Uh, one, it's been a good
2: uh, off season for Kirby, hasn't oh, it? Ha- it in that absolutely. Very it, good.
1: It, oh yeah. And, and the, now Demetrius Robinson is coming back, who frankly the the Cal transfer has yet to do anything uh yeah, I like lived up to Georgia. It. Uh, now uh, Julian Rochester is coming back. So that will help them, I think, a good bit on that defensive line. Uh, but, uh, but but still, kind of kind of quietly, a couple of guys who said that they will they will return. And Georgia, uh, last week, put out their their roster for the spring. Their A day is April the seventeenth, which is the same day as Alabama's. So, um, I, but uh, I, again. Uh, I, I, I don't know how much Robinson will play, but 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 I tell you, Trev, it doesn't always work with these transfers, does it? I, I mean, he, uh, he he was okay at Cal, uh, but but really has never found himself yet at Georgia.
2: Now, now tell me about Demetrius Robertson, this latest thing with him in Athens. There's an arrest warrant out for him for removing a parking boot on a <laughs> campus lot. Yeah, what I mean. Is, is that what's going on with him now?
1: Uh, uh, I think they're still trying to get that cleared up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and by the way, Trump, uh, uh, as you know, the local police take a damn view of that, do they not?
2: Yeah, I mean, according to your notes, it's a felony warrant for removing a parking boot. Yeah. You don't mess with the, you don't mess with the revenue man's no. wallet. Is no. what the moral yep. of that story is. You start messing with his his uh revenue production yeah, yeah. uh y- you'll get hit with a felony i guess over there hey brent as always we appreciate the time oh man always great stuff always enjoy catching up with brent beard of college sports today and first coast news thanks brent
1: me too pal take care
2: if you haven't already give brent a follow on twitter at brent beard b-e-a-i-r-d back with more of a tuesday edition of southern fried sports right here on tide 100.9 fm right after this <laughs> Edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Reier, Senior Analyst for BOL with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Brent Beard, College Sports Today, and First Coast News joining us on the program. Brent, not all that high on that Gus Malzahn hire by UCF. How about that? Of course, uh, your playlist theme today, the weather, a little rain and snow for you there. Live in 1978 from the Grateful Dead, uh, we got a pot, a big pot of my late grandfather's uh, soup going. Perfect day for that, man. Perfect day. Pretty simple recipe Paul threw together back in the day. It's just ground beef. Uh, he liked to use that Lipton onion soup mix in there. little tomato sauce with tomatoes, and then he would just do some uh, frozen mixed vegetables, just put it in that crock pot, let it go. Oh, smells good all day long, tastes even better, come about five o'clock. Yes, a little pawpaw soup for you on a wintry, wintry February day here in Tuscaloosa. Let's go to the Peterbrook Brook Chocolatier studio line right now. I believe we have Shutdown Man. Shutdown Man is waiting for us there. How's it going, my guy? How you doing this morning?
6: Uh, I just wanted to chime in on the uh, Henry Toa Toa rumors that he may be potentially coming to Alabama on a transfer from Tennessee. Um, you know, as a uh, as a Bama fan, uh, I really don't like the move. I like uh, I'd rather see Ali uh, Caho, Jalen Moody, Des Moines Kennedy, Jackson Bratton.
2: You want
6: to uh, see John the uh... and maybe Ian Jackson, you know, get their opportunity to get playing mm-hmm. time. I mean, they committed to Alabama right out of the gate. And um mm-hmm. uh, I thought Jalen Moody made a lot of um strides forward. Ali K.O. I think he needs to get some opportunities. I mean, to me, Saban just uh, came out and said, you know, what a great thing it was that Mac Jones, you know, kind of bided his time as a backup, and it finally paid off for him. He continued to develop, continue to improve. That's yeah. kind of what I'm hoping to see with these linebackers that we've already got. I mean, I know that Toa Toa is a four-star. He had over 70 tackles for Tennessee last year, but we have seven four-stars already on the team who committed yeah. to you. They're your guys. Um, you've got all these highly-paid coaches. You've got a new strength and conditioning Coach, you've got a new medical or um, a new sports fitness center doctor over there. Man, Mm -hmm. use those guys to coach the guys you've already got. That's my let let me ask wanted to see what you thought.
2: Yeah, I I get it. And if look, if I'm one of those dudes, I I feel exactly the way you do. Shut down, man. Um, You prefer more of the organic, I guess we could call it approach, and. That's certainly been prevalent in the Nick Saban era. In all honesty, I don't think Alabama's gone to the portal as much as I thought it would. Um, It's been pretty minimal from that perspective. But I will say this. Guys like Jacob Coker, guys like Landon Dickerson, they were big pieces coming from elsewhere that helped Alabama national championship teams get over the hump. So yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, but if you have the chance to really upgrade at a spot, you're typically gonna do that. And I'm with you on Jalen Moody, by the way. I think we we could all see when he got the opportunity, especially in that Arkansas game, really, really good. So I don't I don't necessarily view Henry Toa Toa as a big need, but um you know, with the experience he has Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's gotta be hard to turn away from. Like I I'm a big Chris Owens fan, right? But Landon Dickerson coming in when he did kind of came at Chris Owens's expense, but then you ended up needing Chris Owens anyway. So there's an argument to be made too, that you can't have enough quality options. And especially when you're able to get a veteran perhaps in there in that spot. So, um, you know, I, I think in most instances what you've seen is Alabama take the approach you prefer more so, uh, but it's hard to argue with the success they've had when they've when they've gone that other way.
6: All right, man, I appreciate appreciate Hey, your thanks for the
2: call. Call us again, all right? Thank you. Shut down, man. Good stuff. I like it. I like it. Presenting the case for the the homegrown, the guys that have been with you through thick and thin. Uh, in addition to, uh, also looking to the portal, let's head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio and right now, I believe we have Tom waiting for us there. Tom, are you with us? I am Travis. How are you? I'm
5: great, sir. How are you? I'm good. Um, can, uh, is it fair to speculate a little bit at this point in the basketball season?
2: Let's speculate. We can do, Tom, we can speculate. <laughs> we I can speculate before. Uh, <laughs> no, we can speculate before the season. This is, this is talk radio, Yeah, video, yeah you're right. That, we can that, do whatever we want. That's the
5: Bama way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I was thinking this. If we win Thursday and we come back and win Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, does that clinch the SEC pretty much for us?
2: I am so bad at math, and it's yeah, documented. Um, I I said earlier in the show, and talking with Brent, I, I I really think if you get the fourteen and one through this week, you know, and um, it, without looking at the rest of the schedule, I, I believe you have a in there a big game tonight, maybe in Fayetteville, or it was scheduled for tonight, Florida. Um, I, I don't know. So don't know. there is such a. There is such a, uh, sort of a pack of teams in that next wave behind Alabama and sort of that, I guess it's the four loss club, we could call it, you know, and without getting into the web of, you know, scheduling and who's got who still and things like that. Um, you know, yeah, you've got three teams with four losses behind Alabama, um, You know, Alabama has already swept LSU. Uh, And again, if there's a tie in the regular season, both teams are declared champions. It's more about the seeding for head to head, if it came down to it, for Alabama and LSU specifically for the SEC tournament. Um, Same thing with Florida at six and four, four losses in the league. Alabama already has that win over the Gators. But yeah, you still have that Alabama Arkansas game, um, you know, in a week's time or so uh, out in Fayetteville that could be big, but, um, just based on where it sits now, if you're 14 and one with three to go and you're at least three up in the loss column. Yeah. uh, My math tells me you've clinched a, a a tie, a co championship. Well, you
5: called uh, the conference championship at this point with Brett. You said it's basically a tap in at this point, which I, I agree with. And we win those two games, uh, and depending on what happens in Arkansas with Florida, Florida's capable of going in there and beating them. But uh, but y'all brought up something I hadn't paid any attention to in the last week or so. And that's how well Arkansas is playing. But I wanted to get at this with you. If if while we're speculating, if Alabama were to win out mm-hmm. in the regular season, that and win the season uh, championship. In a uh, conference championship. You know, that that's going to go a long way into where you're seated in the NCAA, don't you think?
2: Yeah, you know, I think they talked about that on the CBS show last Saturday. I heard this, I believe it was on that program, that a Power Five regular season conference champion that had gone through a season with either zero or one loss uh, had never not been a one seed. In other really? words, if Alabama if Alabama goes, uh, I guess it would be seventeen and one in the league, um, and it wasn't a one seed. That'd be the first time that's happened for a hmm. Power Five conference regular season champ. So, you know, that's that's well, a let scenario me ask you that this, you're, Travis. you're looking at there. The
5: difference between a two and a one. What would be the benefit?
2: Well, you would think in terms of how it's seeded, you know, it, very there's very little. I mean, to be honest with you, it, if it plays out the to chalk, Tom, you know, you would see a seven, um, you know, in the in the in the second round, you would see a a three in the sixteen, and then you would see the one and the eight, obviously. But you know, you think about NCA Final Fours and how many times do non one seeds get there a lot you know i mean it's it's seldom that you get uh multiple or more than two one seeds to a final four so you know if you're if you're a top two or three seed um you know there i don't think there's much difference in that at all
5: i guess what i guess what sticks in my mind is uh it, You know, the higher the seed, this is the way I'm
2: looking at it, the Uh easier the path. But that's not necessarily true. No. I mean, you know, whether you get get to the 16 and you're seeing a 3 or a 4 if you're a 1 or a 2, I mean, there's not going to. Like, the way it's set up right now, based on the early reveal, Alabama in the 16 would see Oklahoma, whereas Gonzaga would see Iowa. I've, I've watched some of Iowa not a ton I've seen I mean I know Luke Garfield we've seen Oklahoma against Alabama already there, there's not a lot of difference from what I've seen in Oklahoma as a Thor hey Tom we all my man okay alright see you buddy thanks there he goes Tom considering some NCA tournament scenarios I love it gonna head to our final break when we come back we'll put a wrap on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this
0: A cold afternoon, the sky partially sunny,
2: the high today 33. For tonight,
0: mostly fair with a low at 21. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy. Rain arrives tomorrow night, the high 46. Thursday, cloudy with occasional rain, the high at 50. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9.
3: a wrap
2: on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM always appreciate Brent Beard joining us here on the program Jacob Harrison once again doing an outstanding job of keeping this thing even with treacherous conditions outside keeps this thing between the ditches for us and if you want to get out no better place to try to make it to than Heat Pizza Bar Heat sounds good on a cold February day Doesn't it? Heat Pizza Bar Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza It is a Tuesday That means those Thai Chicken Pizzas Starting at 6 o'clock Go for just $7 You absolutely cannot beat That deal You certainly cannot beat the Thai Chicken Pizza At Heat Pizza Bar Downtown Tuscaloosa At Government Plaza Thanks again for joining us until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday everybody. and it looks like you're